I want to reiterate uh, some of the um, approaches, views, uh, themes that I'm encouraging in this retreat since I feel a sense of responsibility for this session. Clearly we're all doing our own practice, but, uh, you know, and, you know, whatever it is for you, please. So I, two two things uh, I feel quite um, fo- firmly focused on. One is the somatic domain, the somatic field, and the other is the qualities of uh, goodwill. Mm. Mm. I think any teaching one has gives will always have a certain bias to it, like for now we're going to emphasize this, it means other things which are also valid, perhaps will get less emphasis, uh, and so on. Mm. But here what I feel, sense in terms of uh, what I want to offer, what I feel good about and clear about, is the, these, these uh, two territories, these two explorations, as the basis for a very firm clear and uh, balanced wisdom that one can cultivate in silence and in stillness, uh, in action and in the world at large. The sense of, I always have a strong sense of it, now really is a time for integration. You know, if we look in terms of how the Dhamma's coming to the West, we first we got the scholars came in with the books thank you very much got that then we get the meditation teachers practices also great and now we get more interest in things like social justice and you know the social issues what is this all pointing to what why do human beings move in this direction because we do have a sense collectively of, of the real need to integrate what we feel is purity and uh, goodwill and liberation into our lives. And, and that seems just a, was a natural and, and uh, evolution. Mm. So here, you know, here we are, we're on this retreat, you know, we're not, but what, we're not doing stuff, we're not dealing with our families or our jobs or our politics or so on, but this somatic domain is something that I feel you can uh, rely upon to purify the citta, heart, mind, uh, which will come, which will act in whatever you do and say it will be right there, it will be behind you. It's not some esoteric piece of Buddhist jargon, it's absolutely central. Where that sense of me sits, that's your citta. Where the sense of I arises, that's your citta. And that's what's going to be operating all the time. And uh, this is something that we, we must also realize is the most important thing to purify. And if this is purified, then one cannot wish 
for the anything other than the welfare of others. Uh, one's welfare of others is one's deep concern. One is willing to renounce, you know, territory, status, sense, pressures, opinions, views, positions, politics. It doesn't matter. You know, they're secondary. They come after this. And if you come from this place, everything is going to be strengthened and purified. And you can work out the details you know, as, as life presents them to you. And to come back to this, to use this place as a resource for our own welfare and for the welfare of others. This was, this is the Buddha's mandate, the encouragement. Uh, and so purifying citta through the somatic domain, territory, and purifying it with a mind that does not pick up the trace of grudge, depression, despond, guilt, failure, regret, bitterness, self-hatred, does not pick that up does not pick up the sign of callousness, indifference, harshness, shrug it off, who cares, doesn't pick that up. Never picks up the sign of, it's mine, I deserved it, but feels deep appreciation, appreciative joy for any degree of welfare, small or great, that arises for oneself or others, feels that the heart rises, trembles with gladness, Mudita doesn't pick up jealousy, spite, or privilege. Or, you know, the rest of it, taking things for granted. Doesn't pick that up. Instead, abides in Mudita and uh, equanimity is able to enter its own strength, its own soft, sensitive strength, and abide there as impacts travel through it. It doesn't go down, doesn't fly away, just stays steady, relying on it, sitting in its own soft strength, soft, sensitive strength, quality of equanimity. It doesn't heave and buckle. So this, uh, this keeps, keeps our energies through these alone. You know, if we cultivate these deeply, these are going to prevent, check so much useless, toxic energy happening in our minds. Toxic, useless, debilitating energy of grudge and grievance and bitterness and sourness and rancor and irritation and jealousy and spite and despair and depression <laughs> you know if we just what is not possible if the mind has good will what cannot what good can arise from it is impossible that good cannot arise from that and to really take those those very simply etched in names like kindness compassion, appreciative joy, equanimity, very simple terms, 
and flesh them out. So they're not just slogans we have as ideals and we just chant the names, but deeply felt. And where do they not become just another set of ideals that we feel we haven't got or should be better at or should be more of? Or she's got a lot, of, lot more mudita than I got. I feel jealous of her because her mudita. <laughs> 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 Why didn't I get that much mudita? <laughs> it's not fair. <laughs> you know, so you get these ideals, which then became the same kind of problem, because we use an ideal and we bounce ill will into ourselves off an ideal because we're not an ideal. And so it's so important to get out of the territory of ideals. And to translate in in his Buddhist, beautiful Buddhist, you know, pieces, Nibbana, Dispassion, into felt realities. And where are they felt? Where are they felt as realities that you can really know? We say it's in your guts, in your heart, in your body. You touch the Dhamma in your body. Then you don't have to prove it. Because it, it, you don't like you don't have to prove you've got fingers. You know, of course you've got you know, you wouldn't be able to pick things up if you didn't have fingers. You don't have to prove it. So there's no kind of statement, I am this, I've realised that, I've got this, you think no, I've just stopped suffering, that's all. You know, there's nothing it's like you just stop you put down a burden uh, of of toxic debilitating energy and habit. Where is this clearly felt? So beyond an opinion, beyond uh, anybody's opinion. Now we may, I call this somatic domain and uh, you may think this is a new piece, but I think it's just a different piece of language, that's all. Uh, describing something that's always been there. We've always had it. We often our language reflects upon it. We talk about, you know, heartache, uh, pain in the pain in the back, uh, gut knowledge, getting in touch with things, getting you know, getting to grips with things. We talk very much in embodied language because that's where our understanding arose from before we adopted symbols and concepts, before we adopted symbols and concepts from the age of, I don't know, two or three onwards, we knew through our bodies. We knew warmth and shelter or the absence of it from our our bodies. We knew love and the absence of it through our bodies. We just didn't have words for it then. And what can so often happen is the words come in which are fine, great, but then the words start to leave the reality and become separate territory which we then dwell in. And uh, as you, you can see, they become opinions that then people attack each other with. As we know, the, the terror of righteousness, where we attack each other with right, who's, who's right. And the terror of God, who, who just slaughters people mercilessly for their welfare. <laughs> you know, the things that human beings do are under the power of these ideologies. And it's uh, any, 
you know, four-legged creature would would know immediately. That's not that's not loving kindness. Mm. Loving kindness is when you you know you get in a little pack together and wag your tails and run around and share both. That's loving kindness. It's not you know <laughs> this sense of righteousness. So uh, what I emphasise this is. I think also as I began to uh, just explore the whole territory of what the human being is in these days and it becomes increasingly clear that um, uh, a considerable proportion of the people, a considerable proportion of time have lost a considerable proportion of their embodiment and that's putting it very mildly. No, they're not there. It's just all head noise and and exchanging head noise. Uh, and we can see various cultural reasons for that, you know, since the uh, you know, developmental mechanical science, uh, the advent of the machine, the device and the gadget has meant we can uh, increasingly uh, step out of animate reality. So, you know, once Galileo put a telescope to his eyes, he could look at the heavens and they didn't look at him. Once you've got something of that nature, you can stand outside and look at it and you're not part of it. This is obviously a very you know, that's only the beginnings. But now, of course, we can step outside and look at the rest of the world. Or animate reality is a thing out there. We're not in it. It doesn't touch it. It doesn't touch We now, from this tremendous, uh, these kind of changes, you know, the the quality of brutality that's always been part of human nature has become cooled and sanctified into a domination, exploitation paradigm. And I use those rather ugly words because it is not clear when you see it from the human head. You think, no, fine, I don't hurt anybody. I just push this button and switch this switch and switch that on and this, that and the other and you know but you just realise how much this conquest of nature with no limitations there's no no rules, no limit well what rules they have, they start to dismantle them as soon as possible to have allow more exploitation, more domination of the natural world. So it begins with, say, you know, earth, trees, animals and so forth. Then, of course, it comes on to the human plane. We have domination of who's the biggest, bulliest, heaviest country with the most weapons to beat everybody else up. And that, that, then you get, even within a nation, you get the upper echelon and the lower... 
you know, basically who can't get the the rights, can't get the education, can't get the medicine, can't get can't get can't get votes, can't you basically got serfdom and um a domination exploitation model. And then it happens internally. You know, the dislocated mind tries to dominate and the body and dominate its own energies and dominate what it feels and dominate its emotions and suppress and control you know, its own, your own body, your own presence, pushing it to be more like a, an ideal or a machine or something that you just switch on and it works for you. Uh, I'm not saying you, you folks personally, I'm saying this is, a, this is a definitely a cultural trait that one witnesses and begins to understand with a sense of growing shock uh, and horror, uh, hollowing out of the human heart. And then you see the results. Addictions, anxiety, depression, medication. You, know, you can't get through, through life without a, a therapist, a psychologist and an analyst to keep the system going because it can't, it's so messed up. And then you see the abuse, the racial abuse, the gender abuse, the, you, know, you name it, abuse. And you see, you know, the violence, the shootings, the killings, people going crazy. And you see the dystopias of cities, homelessness, people hungry in countries where other people have just got so much money they don't know what to do with it. And you look at that and you think, and it's just then this word domination exploitation no longer seems so such a stark statement they seem to be have an eerie ring of truth to them and you say please prove me wrong fine prove me wrong and yeah there are pockets yes yes there are so I do there are and where's that you know it's generally people are learning to be with each other sharing helping tolerating listening you know feeling the ground, um, looking after uh, the planet, being careful of resources, you know, this is where it's growing, where people are getting more and connected to responsibility in the animate, embodied condition. Responsibility, not rights and privileges, but responsibility within this. This is a mutual system. Mm. And you know, just on a sheerly the crude biology of it, this, it's so so absolutely obvious, you know, that this system cannot survive except for you know the air, the water, the earth, and and the elements that are provided. It cannot, and yet we poison it all <laughs> and destroy it. And you just think, I mean, what is this insanity? How can the human beings, you know, intelligent people got degrees and da 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 da, literate scientists, da da da, you know, how how can we perpetrate such an abysmal suicide? And, uh, because they're not there, you know, we're not there. You know, we can love little dogs and slaughter cows. We can go crazy over kittens and shampoo them, put ribbons on their neck, and then 
you know, butcher lambs, uh, eat their bodies, uh, keep little creatures in cages where they can't turn round, there's so little room, and yet have two dogs that we pamper, have horses, you have paddocks for horses to run around in that do nothing but keep, keep people amused, where other creatures are just boxed up dehorned, forcibly impregnated, castrated, uh, have their, children, have their little ones ripped away from them and then slaughtered with absolute no, no issue, no problem, necessary. You know, and you think, how is this? How could it be? We've gone so mad to not see this, to not see the, you know, these become moral issues, don't they? Uh, in which people even barely use the word morality to concern themselves with the welfare of other creatures. Not a moral issue, because they're commodities. And it becomes not a moral issue to bomb those people in this other country because they're bad. It's not a moral issue anymore. It's just national security. Mm-hmm. What the hell is going on? <laughs> yeah. And clearly, you know, people with families and kids and who like, you know, music and things are quite capable of following this line and think what's, go- what's going on <laughs> and so anyway you know I mean I could really go on about that but um, not to just fill your heads up with all this but just say there is there is uh, there's something here that I'm trying to touch into that makes it pretty much impossible to follow that that uh, delusion, that deceit, and that brutality. And this is embodiment. Purifying embodiment. Purification of embodiment. Uh, And uh, so that it is natural that uh, this powerful resources, the only resources that we naturally have, everything else we just borrow or steal, only resources we have are morality, kindness and wisdom. Everything else is just either borrowed or taken, every other resource. So our responsibility surely is to cultivate these free from views and opinions and ideologies. Where's the freedom from ideologies and views and opinions? It's in your body, it doesn't have views, ideologies and opinions. And we begin to begin to recognize or cultivate um, in this domain, this territory, we begin to access what I'm calling energies and 
Right, you know, sometimes they refer to as suffusions, permeating, suffusing. This this term is sometimes used: touching, pusati, touching the dhamma, touching qualities in one's body, suffusing, permeating with goodwill. So it's something kind of, well, I call this what does that? So energetic shifting, an energetic transference, energetic uh, clarification, and an energetic accuracy. Yeah. You're actually feeling it through the energy system, not through the purely tactile system. Although, if any, the tactile system is better than any other because that's going to take one more more easily into the energetics. So we might begin just with the tactile, the felt experience of this physical form. On a tactile level, the feeling of the feet touching the ground, the hands touching things, because in the tactile is right there. When you get something touches, it touches you. You get an energetic shimmer, right? Probably one doesn't name it as such, but it's an energetic shimmer. Even seeing someone, you get an energetic shimmer. Do you notice that? You know, it's been quiet. Uh, dark or something and you open the door and you walk down the corner and you see some little it's an energetic shimmer perception see someone you know it can be quite shimmery get close it gets very sort of tentativeness sometimes it's tentative when you come up if you're really mindful as we all know we're quite sensitive about getting close to people physical contact being quiet. Why? Because we do recognize this is energetic shimmers that occur and we want to make it as soft and as mediated as possible because you just realize that this energetic domain is pretty sensitive and it's not that grounded yet. We easily get knocked around because it hasn't been adequately cultivated yet, but it can be. It can be in the right circumstances. And now I've tried to encourage these circumstances. So I don't, I've specifically repeatedly requested that no one else enters this meditation hall except for us. People who want to listen to talks have to sit outside. Not because they're not good people, not because they're not welcome, because there's going to be an energetic shimmer if they come in. It has to be. Who's he? What's he doing? I don't know. You know, what's he sitting there for? They're next to me. You know, and really, it's enough to do. And so, the sense of just a certain sanctity and safety of the container to dwell in. So that what's there in terms of what's already inherited in terms of our somatic presence can be held in a very broad the circumference of the retreat center the broad expansion of the eight precepts you know some of you may find you you know you've got let out or something let's not quibble about that but the sense of the sense of conscience and concern broad domain of that is not compressed it's not tight there's a certain discipline in fact not to get it tight 
Yeah, because we tend to take discipline again from a viewpoint. If you want to be disciplined, the tighter, the stricter, the better. <laughs> Until you crunch all up with views. Yeah? So no, no, the discipline here is not to contract into extreme, extremism, fundamentalism, blind rule obedience. Tell me about it. I'm a monk. I know these things. <laughs> I have. I've lived with them. I've, I've actually acted upon them. <laughs> I know the pain of that. It's, it's quite a discipline just to stay reasonable <laughs> and not fantastic. <laughs> just let things take their course within that that domain. Yeah, within that domain. Because if it's too tight, you, you, you feel that somatically, you'll feel the pressure and it will not support, well, I don't, I don't, I don't recommend it, I'm not going to support that. It can work for some people, but I've, in my experience, I've seen so many people tighten up because they tighten up because they're determined to get samadhi. So they tighten up. And they're determined to be really strict. So they tighten up. And they're going to be completely renunciant. And they really tighten up. And they get the three tightenings, the tightenings of renunciation, the tightenings of reality, the tightenings of meditation. They become so tight. And then two years later, bang, something snaps. Okay, another one, tranquilizers, psychiatrist, off to the hospital. (laughs) 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 Truly. (laughs) You know, I'll tell you some very sad stories I won't tell you. I've seen people do it. You know, and they go, I'm getting to Neroda, I'm just getting to Neroda. I nearly got everything to stop ceasing or just about to have a psychotic episode. And they do. <laughs> yeah. And so even things like, you know, certainly in, in our experience in these, these training situations in monasteries, you know, by and large the, the movement right across the board is get make it looser, softer, friendlier. Yeah. And just ease up on the samadhi idea. Well, why? Why? It's right there in the suttas. It says, yeah, I know. But why not? Well, because I've experienced just what people think samadhi is and how to do it is tighten up. And you don't need that. You know? Maybe if you're in really, really good shape, then that will start to occur. You'll start to take in the slack it starts to trim, taking the slack, settle more steadily. Yeah. But if your somatic domain is already screwed up, messed up and imbalanced, you tightening it up isn't going to make it any better. And I'm suggesting, and uh, check it out for yourself, that we inherit a very radically uh, um, disorganized, putting it politely, somatic domain. Because we've all lived uh, under these systems disembodying systems, deanimate systems, ideologically ruled systems, domination exploitation systems. You may not have liked it, you may have tried to not participate in it. You know, I'd suggest it's almost impossible not to participate in it. You know? And particularly when one is unknowing, young, you pick them up eagerly because that's what everybody else is doing. You know? Disembodiment. Get on your Twitter and Facebook and get out there. Mm. Take the drugs, get out there. Mm. 
And so, you know, and then we do pick up these effects in our bodies also. And the kind of machine-like paces at which people live, the driven state of the workshop, the work, work front, yeah, where you just cannot really operate in an organic way. You get sacked. You get fired. You're not going to make it. So, you know, there's tremendous pressure and like you realize the animate in our in ourselves and in the world around us is basically just crushed. You know, if you realize this these tissues are the same as the t- stuff as the tissues in essentially offering the same kind of processes as these trees and the animals is not that different really in terms of their energetic quality their processes of discharge and regeneration their their organic rhythmic nature it's the same basic stuff you see people operating like machines and machine like minds and then imposing that onto an organic system and it's going to mess things up So the degree to which we've sort of been inundated, inherited that, and perhaps picked it up with the idea this will lead us to excellence. And so, you know, you you can we can think about it, we can argue about it, we can talk about it, you can think I'm wrong, that's all fine. It doesn't matter to me. But you find out in your own body whether it's steady and peaceful and spacious and warm there. Hmm? And if it is, then you're great. Don't need much advice from myself. If it is steady, so that your mind easily settles within that and feels comfortable and happy with no pressure, then that's fantastic. This is, then you have samadhi. You're in it. You've settled into it. You just need the opportunity to to steady in that. But I suggest what most people are going to find is a certain amount of tension, sometimes really difficult to stay in a body, or even know not what I'm referring to. Perhaps the average person wouldn't even know what I'm talking about. Just think the body is this kind of thing that carries my head around. Or the body is purely tactile. So, so we come to that level when this is what the sense sense consciousness does it draws everything to the surface the surface we come out to the eyes to the surface of things and we don't feel we don't uh, live in the heart the sense sense faculties draw out and we very much get associated with the purely external appearance of bodies, the skin layer, the superficial features of it, as that's that's the body. And that has to be good, look good, that's the target, that's going to get the praise blame, that gets defended, yeah. closed, against criticism, blame. Mm. 
it gets groped at <laughs> yeah it gets prettied up and all that stuff you know so everything out there what what kind of mind states are being encouraged just through that alone and what are we missing to the point we don't even average person wouldn't even know there's anything missing they don't have a word for it in a body you mean guts no no that's that's still external i mean the inner intelligence of the body said what <laughs> it's got intelligence it can't do arithmetic no no how do you know how to stand up how do you know how to walk how do you know how to find balance yeah what's that how do you know shock how do you know passion how do you know relaxing how do you know feeling comfortable and trusted how do you know feel frightened and insecure how do you know these things to the extent that no matter what you say in your head you can't change them because they're not coming from your head you can talk yourself out and trying to be more confident and you don't feel it because it's not in the body this territory purifying somatic territory if we practice metta I would suggest a very helpful mode is to, to begin at least to sense the qualities of loving kindness coming towards this being so at least we have some encouragement to relax the armor or the indifference to oneself how many people suffer from the experience of self-criticism how many people don't have that <laughs> let's make it easy <laughs> how many people are injecting themselves with ill will Because injecting yourself with it what is a good way to keep make sure your defence strategies are up and running. If you relax too much they might dissolve. So, you know, because of the the sensed hostility or the sensed indifference, the sensed not listening, the sense of you don't really count very much in the in the public domain sense of just being a number or a face or a digit or a stereotype in the public domain that lack of empathic seeing definitely encourages a certain amount of defense and face putting face on things and so the system learns to do that without much thought going on it begins to do that from an emotional level from a psychological level we present a face and a shell that's okay agreeable but all formations are impermanent including this one so if 
you have to keep it going by injecting, taking regular injections of ill will to make sure the system keeps <laughs> going. <laughs> you don't do this logically. It's just that that's the drug that keeps, keeps your armour on. And this is not a logical process. Anyway, so where will that stop? And again, we say, well, you know, try to be nice to yourself. It doesn't quite work like that. Because the mind of ill will doesn't know how to be nice to itself, to yourself. So we have to just get out of the mind, really. Come to the body. What does the body feel like in the presence of the agreeable, the loved, the loving? the non-harming, the safe, the trusted. You resonate these perceptions. What does the body feel like? What would it feel like in the presence of the safe, the loved, the gracious, the forgiving, the whatever, that's fine with me, that's okay, yeah. The, I kind of like your company, it's nice. You don't have to be anything, it's just fun. Whoever you are, it's fun. What would it be like? Yeah. It resonates some of these qualities. This is not classical meta in some kind of um, stereotyped statement. May I be well, may I be free. No, this is actually use your own language, your own perceptions to get the reality of it felt. It doesn't matter what that is. If it's, if it's having your... Imagine your dog is looking at you. Go right ahead. If that's what gets it going, be my guest. Because it's still perceptions of that which sees you with sense of trust, non-judgment, warmth, and interest. You, specifically you. As you are. As you are. And that, just that particular thing, that particular mode, you know, however, whatever ignites it, and then you just want to keep it going. So here am I making a mistake. Bring it up. That's fine, everybody. Make, that's okay. That's, what, that's okay. It's like that. Bring it up. Here's me feeling miserable. Oh, feeling miserable. Okay, well, yeah, I know it's tough. Yeah, it's like that. We'll, we'll get through it. We'll be okay. You know, a little bit of compassion. Here's me feeling nasty and spiteful. Whatever. Okay, well, spiteful and nasty. Well, you must have had some difficult times. Um, yeah, everybody gets like that. That's what it's like to be human. You know, some sort of sense in which the response is non-vindictive, non ideological, non-righteous, but just really sympathetic to the struggle of being a human being plugged into this corporate madness and uh, one's own, yeah, and that of the world around. Who knows what one's karma is? Just this really, it's not just the practice, it's an atmosphere that one should dwell in and through 
inadequacies. So the inadequacies actually generate the response of because there's inadequacy, this means you must, the body should respond with greater goodwill and the body can do that. Mind won't necessarily at first. But like if you if you cut the skin of the body, the body the body doesn't say, "Oh, you cut the skin." Well, I'm fed up. I'm not going to heal. I'm gonna, I did. I healed you last year. <laughs> you don't waste my time. You know you shouldn't have done that. You should be more mindful. No, it gets right to it. Yeah, and you know if when the when things are sick, the body works super hard to try and get you well. It doesn't say, "Well, if you couldn't look after yourself." After all these years, well, you know, that's your trip, that's your karma. <laughs> it just goes right ahead, uh, you know, and it pushes back against the forces of, of, of uh, negativity that inflict it. It pushes back, and you get stronger. You know, I think actually one of, our, one of the things that occurs in modern day people is that life is so sterile, the bodies don't have any ability to push back against disease. So you just they've got no antibodies it's just all been sterilized and then you you know you get sick and allergies because body's been weakened it's natural capacity to rise up and push back core strength and so this quality you know this responsiveness is, is a on, a, on an embodied level, and this is where we kind of get some of that. Realize how you know, on your nerve endings you get this lifting when there is a sign of goodwill, real goodwill, real. It's up to you, and that's fine. I, I quite like you being around. You know, and doesn't have anything special. Just that, just simple, very low level, but constant quality system lights up. You feel pressures off don't have to be something don't have to be an ace meditator don't have to have samadhi finally we don't have to samadhi you're so relaxed you drop into samadhi (laughs) 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 you reframe it Smart is what's left when you take the rest of the pressure away. <laughs> and you get this, ah, oh, and you hold it with mindfulness, that's all. Stay with it. You take the pressure off. Uh, and then you just sus- hold that reference point mindfully. So mindfulness, yeah, mindfulness, absolutely. So we're mindful of that quality of, of you know, constant encasing ourselves in something that's sympathetic. Uh, and holding that frame that that um, while we have this chance to do so and then letting your system take that in and as it does so certainly it will begin to expel the toxins you'll feel disoriented uh, don't know what to do falling asleep energies rock up and down because the arming's off the shielding's off, the grip is off, and things go soggy and limp. That's okay, good, 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 keep it up. <laughs> you know, some of the hard definitions of where I'm going and full speed ahead have finally stopped, and now we're just going to start to 
wrap around this with some warmth and then breathing in, breathing out, feeling through the somatic domain, you know, and beginning to connect all the parts. You know, the hard, tense parts, the soft parts, the places that feel absent, the places that feel jittery, just line them up, connect them as if you're trying to bring together a squabbling family. Say, look, you all live in the same room, right? So why don't you just sit down and get to know each other? Instead of you wanting to go there and you go in your own space and you're not interested in that and you can't stand that, just look, you're all here, right? You're sharing the same hunk of meat. So, (laughs) you know, like, get real, get to know each other and begin to take down those, those supremacy things. I'm up in the head. This is where the good stuff is, you know. And domination. Push out that that stuff that I don't like. Push out that stuff I don't like. I don't like it. it. Makes me feel uncomfortable. Life is uncomfortable. Get used to it, you know. And then it then it, heart of compassion comes as real basic somatic compassion. I have to be present with the uncomfortable. And it doesn't just immediately disappear. Mm. It starts to heal, soften the grogginess, the grumpiness, the moodiness, which is coming, emotions arising from, from a disoriented, scrambled somatic territory. this very body not picking up the sign of recrimination ill will bitterness callousness you don't count it doesn't matter to me it's nothing to do with me not picking up those signs of indifference of callousness of forcefulness And do pick up the sign of appreciation. I can breathe. Breathing can come to me. Breathing can come to me. The the air breathes me. The good air element breathes me. And as it breathes me, it rejuvenates and refreshes me. The good air element breathes me. The earth element supples and opens to allow the air energy in to breathe me. Because of this, as energy. Energy keeps my chitta floating bright. Purification of the elements from self. I am breathing. This is my body. No, no. This is earth element. Received from nature. Part of nature. Or go back to nature. This is earth element. On loan for a few years so you can make use of it to study nature treat it with respect it's not yours kindness, appreciation of the earth element in the body and suppling it massaging it internally with goodwill 
Your element then has room to expand and enter. We're no longer keeping the world out. We open to that, allowing air to fill us. The good air element. Oh, it breathes me. It opens, ventilates, discharges, cools, refreshes. The good, blessed air that's on loan for one breath only. Only one, the one you have. Not planning for the next, you only have one. Let it go as if it's the last with gratitude. Then the earth can open to invite more in next time. Purification of air element from I am breathing. Clung. How good am I? How much in those kind of things we can lay upon breath meditation? Purification of fire element. This is energy generated through the life force on loan for how long? Nobody knows. Some people get one year, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 80. Few people get 90, few get 100. That's the end of the loan. Given, freely, didn't have to pay for it. Didn't have to deserve it, work for it. A gift to be treasured and used. Don't squander it. Use it to establish harmony with the elements. If there's harmony in the elements, there'll be harmony in the mind. If there's harmony in the mind, it'll be for the purification of morality, the purification of wisdom from just conceit and opinions, purification of morality from righteousness or corruption, Purification of love from sentiment, romance, as well as ill will. Uh, see it just as a, a fundamental heart food medium, an energy that repels poison. Between people it repels the poison. We recognize this when there is loving kindness towards people repels the poison of that's it that's waiting when we have differences of opinion there's the poison is waiting to be injected because we occur we seem to manifest in different forms as comparisons and contrasts around that comparison and contrast there's bound to be the potential for some form of shading of ill will. And if we cultivate purity of heart, then this is removed. Instead, there's a sense of the love of cooperation, ease, tolerance, mutuality. How can we, out of our differences, find harmony? That careful, that's wisdom. 
know, the fine degree of sensitivity and negotiation that's, that's we are capable of and is required to avoid these intimidation, you know, things. So Let me begin with the body, purifying the somatic domain. It may seem in some ways very remote from uh, our relationships with other people, our daily lives in terms of our jobs and so forth. It may seem so to a remote world, remote terrain. That's because it's become remote. And that's the problem. <laughs> it's actually right there, it always has been there. But it's become remote. And that's the problem why the rest of it is going very strange. So I've given a fair amount of uh, exhortation, some tips, just begin to contemplate the sense of weight in the body and realize is there any negativity around that? It may not be a thought negativity, it may be the general sense of burden, heavy, uncomfortable. Is it possible that by reframing that as this experience is actually something that's holding me up. Just play with that idea, that notion, see if you can change your energies around experience of weight. This is agreeably firm, holding me together rather than heavy weight pressing me down. Purification of earth, purification of air, could this be something that I'm not pushing or experiencing as pressure, but through mediation of uh, physicality of the body, it's more like the spirit, God, as God breathes, the breath of life entering me, becoming available for me. So it senses openness to whatever may come in, in terms of air element. Subtle or strong, erratic, smooth. You sense it like this is a, this is Holy Spirit. You know, really, is in an in in embodied way. And the energy that can come, even when the breath is not particularly smooth, just meeting in the right way. And you get a tingle because suddenly you realize something realizes, this is precious. And there's a, a sensitivity and a delicacy around that, which the becomes sensitive. And we get a kind of a lifting of energy around that. Yeah. And, it, and this is where the, the pitfall of, in my opinion, for us, this day and age in Anapana, is once you start to get the idea of, you've got to make it this, you've got to get to that, and you should be at this stage by now, you start to desecrate something that's rather sacred, which is the gift of air, that you didn't 
have to deserve? And could you just let it be itself and sensitize to that? The rhythms of it, the tides of it, what it's doing. Really get to know it and the right relationship to it before there's any other inclination to quieten or soften or change it. Really get to know it and what happens with the as the air element meets the earth element, this subtle enlivening effect. This is what's keeping us alive. There's an energy that trembles in the tissues, breathing in and breathing out. Particularly you'll notice it particularly the ends of the breath. You'll notice that stronger effect. Beginnings and endings. Purification of air element. Mm. Water element, the cohesive, mm. that which is able to receive innumerable impressions and let them ripple through. Fluid, fluidity. We're not metallic. We may be becoming metallic, but actually, if we go into embodiment, the perceptions of people, you get sudden sort of shimmer perceptions of duties you get a shimmer perceptions of things I should do or shouldn't do you get a shimmer now those wherever they however simple or silly they may be just allowing it to ripple through let the system come back into harmony walking flowing along stuff visual contact passing through tactile impressions, warm, cool, letting it ripple through, feeling of the body moving, rippling through, water element, purification of the water element, non-resistance, non-agitation, embracing, purification of water. These will conduce the purification of fire, the energy element, so it's not intense, racing, sluggish, contracted, spasming, becomes steady, smooth, cooling the fire into something that feels suffusive, pervasive, steeped in goodwill.